Thank you, Faith, Kaylin, Jane. Great job, great songs, great thoughts. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. For those of you who are Bible readers, you may recognize the theme of the song that Jane sang to be from the book of Jeremiah. And one of the reasons that on Sunday morning our new series is going to be in mountaintops in Isaiah and Jeremiah is so that for those who haven't taken the time to read those books that you would see the mountaintops of Revelation in those books. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. For several weeks on Sunday nights uh, we've talked about practical doctrine as You've heard me say many times now that it's poorly understood in our culture. Our culture usually fails to understand where rightful authority comes from, how leaders should use rightful authority, and how those who follow should respond to rightful authority. But failing to understand these things, uh, I think if you pay attention to what's going on around us, you would conclude that it is hastening the deterioration of our culture. Now, I do believe some who know Christ and some who are familiar with the Bible do understand rightful authority and how it applies to leaders and followers, but we're all influenced, influenced and greatly affected by the culture in which we live. And uh, quite frankly, our flesh hates authority, uh, unless it's our own. And as I've said several times, I'm not teaching on this subject because I'm aware of a problem here with rightful authority. If I had a problem with you and rightful authority, I'll come talk to you. I'm teaching uh, this because I believe the Lord's church and our homes would be more of a blessing to everyone involved if they better imitated God's plan for those institutions. Authority, of course, is the power to command, enforce laws, exact obedience, judge a person or situation as being right or wrong. And we began this series by talking about how God is the ultimate authority. But that because we cannot see him visibly today or hear him audibly, he first and foremost delegated some of his authority to the Bible, his words. And the Bible is the only inerrant, infallible uh, authority on our planet. It was inspired and it is preserved for us today. And then God in his word delegated some of his authority to certain people in certain situations. The authority of a husband over his own wife, one equal choosing to submit to another equal to fulfill the plan of God, the authority of parents over their own children, one equal choosing to submit to another equal to fulfill the plan of God, the authority of a pastor over the congregation he has been called and chosen to lead, one equal choosing to submit to another equal to fulfill a role designed by our Creator. God did not give husbands nor parents nor pastors authority to do what they want to do. God gave anyone who has rightful authority to do what he wants done. That's why we have it. And three weeks ago, we talked about all the things followers can do to make their uh, leader's job a joy rather than a grief. And then last week, we talked about those who provide leadership with delegated authority from God being servant leaders. And servant leadership, of course, is not about how many people we boss around. Uh, it is about how we lift and strengthen and help those who look to us for leadership in some way. And then we spent some time talking about how a leader should use rightful authority as a servant leader and that they should care about the sheep, they care about those who look to you, that they should make decisions on the best interest of those who look to you instead of your own interests, that, <laughs> that they're going to need from time to time to take a strong stand 
for what's right in the best interest of those who look to Him, even though it's not understood. And that we close reminding ourselves that every leader, just like every follower, fails in their roles at times. And so we need grace. We need love for one another to cover those failures and move forward. God chose human leaders knowing that they would all be flawed and at best just sincere. Tonight I want to continue speaking about a leader-follower relationship. Uh, Again tonight with emphasis on how leaders should use rightful authority. We, if you remember, first addressed how followers should follow because that's the way the Bible does it. In every instance where God instructs both leaders and followers, He always instructs the followers first and then the leaders. And so tonight we are again focused on how leaders should lead and in the coming weeks, Lord willing, we'll apply these principles that we have learned for both followers and leaders to uh, our marriages, to parents who are still raising children and to uh, the Lord's churches and spiritual leadership. And anybody with any kind of sense wants healthy relationships in every key area of our life. Uh, And our Creator has a lot to say about them. And so if you would stand tonight, please, in honor of the Word of God, we're on our sixth lesson in God's authority in our life. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And if you remember, when we talked about this initially, three times in the Bible, the Bible uses the phrase, uh, have the rule over you. And they're all in Hebrews 13. And so the context of who it is talking to specifically is in verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, which have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So the first application of Hebrews 13, 17 is to them who speak the word of God to you. That's the context. Thank you, might be seated. And though that is the context for verse 17, very specifically speaking about the relationship of a pastor and those who look to him as their shepherd, there are principles in verse 17 that apply to all leaders and followers. Uh, You may remember we talked about the principle of how followers should look to their leader. Remember from verse 17 that they may do it with joy and not with grief. And we took that principle for following from spiritual followers to applying that to followers of all sorts. Another principle for leadership in verse 17 that is first to spiritual leaders but also applicable to leaders of every sort is this it says they watch for your souls as they that must give account notice that leaders are watching for your souls not just your life your souls it's a great privilege and incredible responsibility to watch for someone's soul to guard, to guide, to help, protect. Each human soul is eternal. We are made in the image of an eternal creator. Uh, Our soul is our mind, it is our affections, it is our personhood, it is our memories in addition to our life. 
And if the responsibility for watching for a soul wasn't great enough, we are reminded that we will give account to God for how we do so. Listen, I will not give an account to God for what you do with your life. You give an account to God for what you do with your life. But I will give an account to God for what I tried to get you to do with your life. I will give an account for how I attempted to guard, to guide, and protect your souls. And if pastors are supposed to be watching for the souls of those who follow them in the church where the Lord has placed them, certainly parents are supposed to be watching for the souls of their own children because they will give an account. Certainly husbands should be watching for the soul of their own wife because they will give an account. Certainly Sunday school teachers and ministry leaders are watching for the souls of those who look to them in some way because they also will give an account someday in judgment. Now this principle for godly leadership of all sorts brings up a good question that I want to spend our time answering tonight, which is simply this. How can I best watch for the souls who look to me? How can I best watch for the souls who look to me? Uh, please begin tonight by turning up a few pages to James chapter 3. How can I best watch for the souls of those who look to me? Here's number one. Be responsible. <laughs> Responsibility and authority go hand in hand. Be responsible. Responsibility and authority go hand in hand. There are a lot of people who want authority, but they don't want responsibility. Responsibility and authority go hand in hand. James chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, My brethren, be not many masters. Now in the Bible, the teacher was a master and the student was a scholar. That language has changed a bit today, but when it says, be not many masters, it's saying, don't be, be not many teachers. You say, why? says, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. See, those who lead are held to a higher standard. Their rewards and special privileges in Christ's kingdom for those who use their rightful authority from God, well, leadership is a privilege. But all rightful authority has a higher responsibility attached to it. Authority doesn't bring less responsibility, it brings more. And those who seek authority without responsibility that goes with it will never have much rightful authority from God. You see, this begins with God holding leaders to a higher standard than those who follow them. By the way, this is the basic Bible principle behind why we have leadership covenants of all sorts here at Bible Baptist Church. There's a covenant that I go over with you. If you're going to sing on this platform or play an instrument or be in our choir, there's a covenant that someone will go over with you. If you're an assistant teacher, a covenant, someone will go over with you. If you're a teacher, we have a covenant with our deacons. We have a covenant with our staff, all designed to follow this basic principle that God expects more from leaders than he expects from followers. By the way, Jesus was very clear when he said, for whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Luke 12, 48. God expects more from pastors than people, more from parents than children, more from leaders and workers, 
more from workers than those who just attend, more from husbands than wives, more from teachers than students, more from members than non-members, more from those in public ministry to, than those who do not do public ministry. Listen, when you come up here and you play an instrument or you sing a song or you stand in our choir or you stand behind a podium of some sort in a Sunday school class or children's church or master club or teen ministry, understand that there is responsibility that goes with the authority and privilege of being able to do so. No one is using their authority rightly unless they're taking responsibility for what they do as a leader. Hear me when I say this. Every leader needs to quit blaming people and circumstances for the kind of leadership you are providing. I am responsible to provide leadership. I cannot follow leadership. You're responsible for how you follow leadership. Hey, listen, God is a perfect leader, and some people don't follow his leadership. <laughs> There's a reason that God came to Adam first in the Garden of Eden, though Eve is the first one to take the fruit. Say, why? Adam was a leader. There's a reason God did not allow Moses in the promised land. Do you remember what he did? God told him to speak to the rock, but instead of speaking to the rock, he smote it twice with his staff, and because of that, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Listen, there were people that entered the promised land with a lot bigger offenses than that. But God expected more from Moses than other people. In fact, because of the amount of revelation and responsibility and privileges that God had given Moses, God expected a lot more from him than from other people. One of the greatest needs we have in our churches is men who will be responsible. Because if you're a young lady here tonight, if the young man you think you love won't work and be responsible for his choices, drop him. Uh, sooner or later, you'll be raising the kids on your own. I don't care how cute he is. Uh, listen, event, I used to be cute. Uh, l listen, the prospects for the future of his cuteness are not good. I'm amazed, and I've seen it many times, men push around and overly dominate their wife and then blame their wife for what goes on in their home. Uh, sir, no. Hey, listen, if you have a problem that anything goes on in my home, don't come to my sweet wife. It ain't her fault, it's mine. You see, being responsible does not mean you must control everything those who look to you do, unless it's a young child. I mean, husbands, you ought to give your wife freedom to express herself and grow as a person and as a Christian because you love her. Ministry leaders ought to give your ministry workers freedom to follow Christ and boundaries to work in so they can accomplish something and feel good about what they're doing for the Lord and for people. Parents ought to give an increasing amount of freedom to your children as they grow older. Listen, there's going to be times when they don't do something you don't think they should do. And maybe, you know what, you need to let them get kicked and hit in the face for doing it. So they learn. There's a key element to being responsible, and it's not being bossy. <laughs> Though you do have to boss people around at times as a leader. Say, so what is that key element? I'm glad you asked. Go to Joshua chapter 1. 
Joshua chapter 1. He said, Brother Wall, I wish you weren't so snarky when you spoke. Now listen, I am snarky in my heart. This is the kindest, gentlest version I can get out of there. What is the key element as a leader? You know what it is? It's your walk with God. Moses was perhaps the greatest leader outside of Jesus in history. Imagine being Joshua, who was his basic, his assistant pastor for 40 years, to eventually lead for five or seven. I mean, imagine walking and trying to fill Moses' shoe, and, and of course he didn't try to fill Moses' shoes, he had his own shoes. But when Joshua became the leader, it's interesting what the people wanted from him. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 16, it says, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. Whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so we hearken unto thee. Here it is. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Notice they want Joshua to be strong. They wanted Joshua to have good courage and they wanted Joshua to have walked with God. They wanted him to have God with him. Every follower, every child, every student, every worker, every church member deserves a leader who sincerely tries to walk with God, to know God, to obey God, to follow God, to have God with them. Every child deserves a parent who's prayed, who's sought God, who uses the wisdom of this seasoning of life with their children. Every student deserves a Sunday school teacher and children's church worker and master club worker who's prayed and studies and prepares for class instead of using that position as a stepping stone and instead of just doing whatever during the week and throwing something together at the last minute as if it wasn't the most important thing in your schedule that week to represent our Creator and the Savior of all the world to those children. More than anything, as a leader, I want to be a husband, parent, and Christian who pleases God, who walks with God. Uh, this may disappoint you, but there are almost no weeks when I ever finish everything I wanted to do and everything I really was supposed to do. Almost none. But by the grace of God, there's one thing that I always finish. My prayer my time in the Bible, and my message preparation. I never have a week when I make all the phone calls I wanted to make. I never have a week when I send all the emails I wanted to send. I never have a week when I send all the texts I wanted to send. Never. But more than anything, you deserve someone not who got all his texts done, but somebody who's been on his knees. Authority is never something to be taken lightly. And those who have it are responsible to God Almighty. 
Leadership is a great privilege, and there are incredible blessings and satisfaction both in life and rewards in eternity by doing that well. But hear me when I say you and I should not run from opportunities to lead because we're afraid to take responsibility. But when you have rightful authority from God, you are responsible to God whether you like it or not. Responsibility does not go away when times get difficult. In fact, it is in the difficulties of life that the depth of our commitment and heart as a leader is manifested. Let me ask you tonight, are you taking responsibilities in areas where God has given you rightful authority? Have you embraced the responsibility of your position? Are you walking with God? Does your private life and secret life match up with what you seem to be in public? Are you always blaming those who look to you for the way you respond or are you taking responsibility for what you do and do not do? Listen, everything, nothing that comes out of my mouth is my wife's fault. Nothing in my behavior is your fault. Everything that comes out of my mouth, everything that is in my behavior is solely resting upon me. And that's true for you as well. And so we need to understand that with rightful authority becomes comes responsibility and we need to grow into this are you growing into being more responsible but it's not just that leaders need to take and embrace responsibility that goes hand in hand with the rightful authority they have secondly go back to your bible to proverbs chapter 11 proverbs chapter 11 I don't believe anybody becomes a perfect leader. I do believe that every leader ought to be growing. I believe you ought to be a better parent today than you were a year ago. I believe you ought to be a better husband today than you were a year ago. I believe you ought to be better as a teacher, as a singer, as a worker. I believe our walk with God ought to be better today than it was a year ago. You, you, you and I don't change like light switches. But I do believe God expects us to be growing in taking responsibility with our authority. Here's number two. How do I watch for the souls of those I lead? Uh, seek input and wise counsel. If you don't do that, you never grow beyond yourself. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. By the way, you want safety in your decisions that are big decisions? Notice how you get it. The multitude of counselors. That's not, I'm going to ask one person. That's not, hey, I'm going to ask my friend who's going to tell me what I want to say. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And in where no counsel is, the people fall. Uh, turn up just a few chapters to chapter 15. By the way, I hope you regularly read Proverbs. It's the book of the wisdom of God. I hope every day you pray that God would give you his wisdom. And then I pray... You regularly read Proverbs, and that's where we find it. In Proverbs 15, verse 22, it says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Listen, as adult leaders, we should ask for input from those who are more experienced in an area where we're making a decision. Uh, listen, I'm not saying we always should do what 
the council says. You make the decision. You answer to God for it. I'm saying that you're wiser and you'll make less dumb choices when you seek wise counsel. I'm not implying you need to seek counsel for what kind of meat you want on your sandwich. But I am saying when you're making any significant decisions, you'd be way wiser to ask counsel. Listen, a lot of people have this idea, well, I'm 18 and I'm out of the house. I don't need to listen to anybody anymore. Well, first off, if you're 18 and still at home, you still need to listen to your parents. And if you want to make all your own decisions, move out. Amen. But once you move out, you're right, you don't have to listen to anybody. But you'd be wiser and safer if you did. You know, sometimes adults are far too proud to ask for advice or risk someone thinking they don't have it all together. Do you know what my experience is? Is that people that have marriage difficulties, they wait so long because of their pride to try to get help that things are really, really difficult to unravel. Parents struggling with their older children and teens, they rarely sit down and ask honest questions in private of a pastor or a more seasoned parent who've successfully navigated the waters that they're drowning in. Oh no, yeah, you turn to some blog of somebody you don't even know. You read some book by somebody that you have no idea what kind of parent they are. If you're privileged to be part of Bible Baptist Church, you are blessed to be able to have look at parents of children of all ages who are doing their job well, and you'd be way wiser to ask them some questions. As adult leaders, we should ask for input from those who follow us. Our wife, your husband, older children, your leader workers. Listen, I, I'm not ashamed to tell you, I ask for counsel all the time from our staff, from our deacons, other pastors, all the time. Say why? In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Uh, when I make some big decision in our home, uh, I don't just like go off and spend 10 days and then come home and tell my wife like I'm God and King, hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, I ask my wife, what do you think? What do you want to do? Hey, listen, brother, if you're always doing what she wants to do, she's in charge. And if you're never doing what she wants to do, you don't love her enough. There's a lot of things that can be done more than one way, and you would be wise to do it her way sometimes. Not only should we ask input from those who follow us, adult leaders should take input we don't ask for. Hey, listen, uh, God is well able to deal with somebody who gave you hateful, scornful advice. I've had a lot of people say mean things to me over the years, shocking as that might be. But you know, some of it was accurate. I'd be way wiser to listen to it. And quite frankly, some of it was just completely bunk, and I'd be wise just to let it go. Listen, God spoke to a prophet through a donkey. God prophesied in the New Testament through an unsaved high priest named Caiaphas. 
If you haven't gotten to the place where you don't understand that God sometimes will speak to you through a lost person, sometimes will speak to you through your children, and listen, you're missing some of the information God wants to give you as a leader. In fact, we should strive to remain teachable as a leader, even as an older adult. I've seen most older adults, they don't want to hear anything. Amen. By the way, I'm in the hood of being an older adult. Hey, hey, I I get what it's like to not feel like listening to anybody anymore. The problem with that is, is that's unwise. (laughs) Proverbs 10, 17 says, He that refuseth reproof erreth. Proverbs 13, 18 says, He that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Proverbs 15, 32 says, He that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Proverbs 15, 31 says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. If you get the idea that if you're unwilling to hear reproof, you are not wise. I don't care if you're 95 or 7. Sadly, far too many of us have closed our minds to God speaking to us through other people when if you're sensible, you know that most of the time God speaks to us through other people. So doesn't he speak to us by his spirit through the word? Of course, that's how you know whether things are true or false. But by and large, God speaks to us through people. And leaders who want to faithfully watch for the souls of those who look to you seek input and wise counsel. By the way, I'm, I hope if you're someone with rightful authority from God that you desire to use it rightfully rather than selfishly. Again, you make the decisions, but you will make better decisions and fewer mistakes if you seek wise counsel and hear reproof. By the way, one of the ways that I always know that someone is unwise and not open to reproof is by the people they ask, or more accurately, don't ask, before they make a big decision. You know why they don't ask? They don't want to hear. Hey, listen, you will learn life's lessons. You're going to either learn them the hard way, and it take a long time and feel a lot of pain, or you're going to learn them the easy way and let the other people's pain teach you and spare you Let me ask you, do you seek godly counsel from a ministry leader or pastor or from a wise and godly believer? When's the last time you did so? Do you ever seek wise counsel out of the Bible or other good books written by biblically sound people? Do you ever seek wisdom by observing healthy families, healthy marriages, healthy ministries, and people trying to live a godly life? Do you ever seek the wisdom that God has promised to those who ask Him in faith, who long for wisdom more than they long for silver and gold? But it's not just that leaders seek wise counsel and hear reproof to better watch for the souls who look to us. Say, Brother Wally, how can I watch for the souls of of those I lead? Here's number three. Plan to be misunderstood and alone at times. It was a lonely night in Gethsemane and a lonely night at Calvary for the Son of God, yet he was in the center of God's will. His disciples did not understand. They did not agree with what he told them he was going to do, but he did what he did in their own interest. 
Hear me, in the darkness of being alone as a leader, it will either press you into a diamond or crush you like a pencil lead. By the way, they're the same substance. And lastly tonight, I'm not going to take any more time on that. Number four, go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 23 and we'll close out. Matthew 23. If you want to watch for the souls of those you lead, you need to be responsible with your authority. If you want to watch for the souls of those you lead, you need to seek input and wise counsel. If you want to watch for the souls you lead, you need to be planned to be misunderstood and alone at times. By the way, what I've found, that to me is the hardest aspect of leadership. The hardest aspect. There's something in every human being, and I know it's in me, where I want to be accepted, I want to be understood, I I want people to agree. I want that. But you can't always have that. Which gets us to our last thing, how can I watch for the souls of those I lead? Here's number four, lastly, expect more of yourself than those who follow you. Expect more of yourself than those who follow you. Do you know why your expectations for me don't really bother me much? Because I have higher expectations for myself than you have. I'm already plenty disappointed in myself. Your disappointments with me, they're they're secondary. I I rest in the fact that I belong to Christ. Listen, every week, I look back and wish I would have done this or not failed in that. Every week, I rest in this simple thing. I belong to Jesus Christ. It is an unchangeable relationship. His love has nothing to do with whether I succeeded or failed that week at doing what I was doing. But if you want to be the kind of leader that God is looking for with rightful authority, number four, expect more of yourself than uh, those who follow you. Matthew 23 is an interesting chapter. Most people are only familiar with it because it is Jesus' clear rebuke of the Pharisees and Jesus exposes one aspect of his character that by and large in our culture people don't even know exists. Now that is no reason to be like Jesus was in Matthew 23 all the time. But he was like this some of the time. But before he gets to that, he's going to address his disciples and the Pharisees' leadership. Notice in Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, it says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe. By the way, let's stop there. Is that not an interesting statement? In light of who the Pharisees were, he said, listen, they by virtue of where they sit have rightful authority, listen to them. You say, Brother Wally, why would he say that? That's too long of a question. I wouldn't say it, but Jesus did. Notice what he says, and he's going to talk about their leadership. Notice first, negatively, he says in the last half of verse 3, says he obse- says, that observe and do. He says, but do not after their works, for they say and do not. <laughs> Notice the negative quality of leadership. They were a bad example. <laughs> they didn't try to do what they asked of others. 
Notice in verse 4 the other example, another example of their bad leadership. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move uh, them with one of their fingers. Notice the second bad quality. They were hard on those who looked to them, but easy on themselves. Notice the third bad quality of their leadership in verse 5. Again, this is after he said, listen to what they have to say. Verse 5, he said, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Here's a third bad quality of a leadership. They were motivated more by what people thought of them than what God knew of them. And so in light of all those bad qualities of the pharisaical leadership that Jesus told them to obey, we need to expect more of ourselves than those we try to lead. It's the opposite of what they were doing. Listen, never ask someone to do something you wouldn't do or haven't done yourself. Make more demands of yourself than others who look to you. Set the pace for those who follow you in your effort, your punctuality, and your diligence. Hey, listen, uh, I, uh, if I have a 10 o'clock meeting and I'm there at 10 o'clock, something happened to me on, on the way in unexpected. If I ask you to fast three meals for uh, a revival, rest assured, I'm doing four or five. Uh, when I was a youth leader, we asked our teens to read three chapters a day in the Bible because that's how you get through the Bible in one year. I wouldn't ask them to read three chapters unless I was reading five or six. I'd say, why? God expects more from leaders than followers, and a leader is supposed to set the pace. <laughs> I love the story of my, my old pastor. His name was Brother Preston. He's in heaven now. And he was a bivocational pastor for many, many years and a very, very hard worker. His youngest daughter was a teenager. I think she was about... 13 at the time, and one day her dad was in bed, and she asked her mom, is daddy dying? Because she had never in her life been up when her dad was in bed. Man, if my kids had to wake me up, I'd be ashamed of myself. Hey, listen, everybody gripes about how the workforce is out here, out there. Everybody forgets that this is a generation that raised them. You don't want your kids to be lazy rascals? Get your sorry carcass out of the sack. Get that mattress off your back. Amen. And I need to stop. There's nothing as difficult and at the same time more rewarding than rightly using the authority God has delegated to us. It is a great joy to see those you care for grow in their faith. I, I many of you, I have from time to time just found you privately and said, wow, you know what? I, I see you're growing. I see the changes in your life. Great job. I can't tell you how good it makes me feel to, to think that in some way I was some part of that. 
somebody whose marriage was struggling, somebody who was just ready to put their kids in a box and uh, feed them through a slot. (laughs) I can't tell you how it makes me feel inside and the satisfaction I get from being some small part uh, of that. It's a great joy to see their souls safe maturing to learn to protect themselves and to protect those they will one day lead. Carrying the weight of leadership, it is difficult. But it's always worth it. Don't run from it. Don't flee from the great privilege of having rightful authority in any area of life from God. Watch for their souls. Amen. Be quietly stand.